Please open your Bible with me to Matthew chapter 8. The Lord is good, isn't he? Amen. Last night I was uh, getting ready to go to sleep, as you're supposed to do at nighttime. And I went into the restroom in my house, and, and that's adjacent to my room, and went in there and uh, started using the facility and getting ready to brush my teeth and everything. And I turned on the water spigot to brush my teeth, and it made a weird gurgle sound. And nothing happened. You ever had that happen? It was weird because I 100% expected water just to come out, and nothing happened. So then I turned on the shower, same gurgle sound, nothing happens. And I thought, wow, that's really strange. And then I thought, did I pay the water bill? <laughs> I was like, yes, I'm sure I did. What happened? What's going on? And suddenly, I had a terrible realization that maybe a line had broken in the house. I've been doing a bunch of construction in the basement for an eon. And uh, ran downstairs, expecting to find a flood in the basement. And I came down the steps, and thankfully, the water was not gushing out of the side. So then I started investigating to figure out what was going on. You ever had one of those kind of moments? You know what's really interesting is you, there can be water in the system. You know, the water's have, there's pipes in your house that have water in them. But if there's no pressure flowing, if there's nothing squeezing the water through the pipes, it's not going to come out. And what's really interesting about the plumbing in our houses is that actually, unless, you know, in this area where we live, because we're not out in the country with wells, in this area, our neighbors and their lines affect our houses too. And so I started investigating around and I heard some very loud sounds outside and I opened the door to find police cars and all kind of stuff in my neighborhood and a water line, a water main had broken inside the neighborhood and had taken all the water pressure from everybody's houses. And they were working furiously to get it fixed. Um, and so I just looked at a distance and I saw some cars coming to, you know, trying to get in the subdivision. I was like, wow, I'm glad I'm not driving right now because it, it was a mess, stuff going on. And so they worked hard. By the morning, we woke up and the water was flowing. Isn't that amazing? Man, we're so blessed. We are, we are so blessed. Not even a boil order or anything. Like, we're so blessed that that, how amazing. That's wild. I want to read to you today because as we look at a miracle that Jesus is going to do, when we think about how Christians encounter God and come to him, Many times we have an expectation that when we turn the faucet, water's just going to be there. You ever turned the faucet in prayer and just heard a gurgle sound? It's kind of funny when that happens. Then you start wondering, did I pay the bill? Is there a flood in the basement? Is something broken? Is one of the appliances taking all of it? Is it draining through the walls in the house and I just can't tell? What's happening, God? And your mind starts to go down a funny path, doesn't it? Well, let's look at Jesus doing some miracles and what he does, because we've been in a series we've been talking about uh, God calling on God, coming to him and calling on him. At Christmas, we talked about how God answers our prayer, and he answers it in his son, Jesus, the best answer of all time. Now we're going to continue in this looking at how does God answer our prayers? God answers us. You know, that's a great hope of the Christian faith that not every faith has that our God actually speaks because he's not a mute idol. He really is living, seated on the throne, and speaks. And we're going to see Jesus do a miracle here in, John, in Matthew chapter 8. Let's read together, please. Matthew chapter 8, verse 5. It says this, When he, that's Jesus, entered Capernaum, 
a centurion came forward to him, appealing to him, Lord, my servant is lying paralyzed at home, suffering terribly. And he said to him, I will come and heal him. But the centurion replied, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only say the word and my servant will be healed. For I too am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes, and to another, come, and he comes, and to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he marveled and said to those who followed him, truly I tell you, with no one in Israel have I found such faith. I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven, while the sons of the kingdom will be thrown into the outer darkness. In that place there will be, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. You know, Jesus has power to just say things into existence. How incredible is that? You know, there's only one other person, there's only one other being in all of Scripture who has the power to speak things into existence. It's God himself. It's because Jesus is God. He's the son who forever is the part of the Trinity. He's God forever who became a man for us. And in this story, he's in Capernaum. We have to remember that the Israelites are an oppressed people. They have been oppressed by the Roman Empire. And the Roman Empire is, has subjugated them militarily. So when we say they're an oppressed people, it's not just that you know, they, they don't have a lot of freedoms or their rights are kind of weird or something. Uh, they are for sure second-class citizens. The usual people are very poor. The Romans are allowed by law to mistreat them. In fact, as long as you don't kill them or break a bone, a centurion like this, or any Roman soldier really, could beat up a Jewish person with no recourse. So as long as you don't break their bones or kill them, you can harm them as much as you want. By law, a, a Jewish person who's walking, unless they're a Roman citizen, which very few were, if they're walking along, they could be conscripted into service by any Roman soldier. And the law stated that a Roman soldier could, carry, could force them to carry up to 60 pounds one mile. 60 pounds one mile. That was the law. So whatever you're doing, they could just hand you something and say, walk with me. Also, the law stated that if they disobeyed you or spoke back to you in any way, you could um, beat them up, which we just talked about, which is crazy. So in other words, you're not just forced to work. You're forced by soldiers at the point of pain to work. They could deride you. They could hurt you. They could take your stuff. If they needed your cloak, like your, your outer garment, they could take it. It doesn't matter because you are a second-class citizen. And so now this guy, a centurion, who is an officer over 100 soldiers, who this is the kind of guy that like has lunch with the mayor. Like he's, he's an important guy. He's, he's over a, a contingency of soldiers who have a lot of power. This centurion comes to Jesus and appeals to him to have his servant healed. When he appeals to him in verse 6, notice what he says. He says, Lord, you know that word means owner, which is very interesting because the owner of this area is not the Jews anymore. It's the Romans. And he tells Jesus, my servant is suffering. What does Jesus say in response in verse 7? You look at it with me. What does he say? I will come and heal him. Does that surprise you at all? When this guy comes 
to ask Jesus for help. Notice there's no debate. There's no exchange. There's no reason why. So the centurion doesn't plead with Jesus, Jesus and say, well, you don't know my servant. He's, he's a really good guy. He's, he's one of those guys, he does everything I ask him to do. He's so faithful. He's really, really a moral person. You should come and heal him because he's a good guy. He doesn't say any of that. He just says, my servant is paralyzed. Will you come help him? And Jesus immediately, I will come and heal him. Now, this for Jesus is a big risk. It's a big risk because the political people in the area are watching how he interacts with the Romans, and they're expecting Jesus to lead some kind of rebellion or revolt against the Romans. They're not expecting Jesus to bless them, number one. Number two, for a Jew to enter into a Roman's house is the wrong thing to do. It makes you ceremonially unclean for worship, but also it shows that you're a traitor to your people. And Jesus is willing to do that for the sake of this guy who's probably not even a Jewish person. Maybe he is. I don't know. It doesn't tell us. The centurion doesn't say, come heal my, my Jewish servant because he's one of yours and you need to take care of him. He doesn't say that at all. He just says, come help my servant. And Jesus immediately responds, I will come and help him. And then the centurion says something really shocking. And what he says is, I understand what it's like to have people working for me. And if I just say the word, they do it. So if you just say the word, I trust you that you have power, that it will happen. And Jesus is shocked and marvels at his faith. And then what does Jesus do? He just says the word. You understand, for the centurion, he is sort of cognizant. He's, he's aware of these dangers of having Jesus come into the house for Jesus. This guy could tell Jesus, you will walk with me to my house right now, and if you don't, I will beat you up. This guy could beat up Jesus, because Jesus is not a Roman citizen. This guy could take Jesus' clothes and say, I'm taking your cloak and I'm taking it to my house and if you want it, you'll follow me and you'll help my servant. He's within his rights to do any of those things. But he doesn't. He doesn't bribe Jesus. He just asks him for help and then demonstrates such faith that Jesus heals a servant. In fact, Jesus says in verse 11, that many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, who are the fathers of the Jewish faith, if you will. Many people will enter into the kingdom from other places who are foreigners who have faith like the centurion. But even the sons of the kingdom, even Jewish people who are walking with Jesus and hearing what he's saying and are, are experiencing the miracles, they will go outside of the covenant. And in that place, Jesus says in verse 12, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's shocking. That's a shocking thing. Let's fast forward just a little bit in the story. Look in Matthew 9 with me. Matthew 9. We're going to read at verse 28. Matthew, excuse me, Matthew 8, verse 28. Matthew 8, verse 28. Jesus heals two demon-possessed men. Here's what it says. And when he, that's Jesus, still came to the other side, to the country of Gadanares, two demon-possessed men met him coming out of the tombs, so fierce that no one could pass that way. And behold, they cried out, What have you to do with us, O Son of God? Have you come here to torment us before the time? Now a herd of many pigs was feeding at some distance from them. And the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, send us away into the herd of pigs. 
And he said to them, Go. So they came out, and they went into the pigs. And behold, the, the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the waters. The herdsmen fled, and going into the city, they told everything, especially what had happened to the demon-possessed men. And behold, all the city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to leave their region. So Jesus has departed from when the, where the centurion is. He's gone across some waters. He's come to a, an area in northern Israel. And this area in northern Israel uh, is a place where the people have uh, basically melded some of their beliefs with the beliefs of the area. So in the Jewish customs, it was unrighteous. It was unclean, unfit for worship for a person to be around pigs. They couldn't eat pigs. They couldn't be around pigs. Pigs were unclean. And what that means is, if you're around them, then you're disqualified until you get clean to go to worship. So you can't go to church smelling like a pig. It's basically what it is. But these people have embraced the pigs so much so that they have large herds. In fact, these demons, these are, this is the legion account where there's lots of demons in these guys. And these pigs, when they come out of these demons, when they come out of the pigs, they go into the, into the herd. Some of the other gospels say that there's about 2,000 of them that rush into the waters. So when Jesus has these demons come out, it impacts the economy of the city right away. Now, these people are Jewish people, and they don't come like the centurion. Instead, they come in a different way, and coming out of the town... They find these demon-possessed men who were so fierce that nobody could pass that way because these two guys would beat up everybody who came on that road. But these fierce guys, when Jesus arrives, something else happens. There's no fear on Jesus' part. Instead, the, the demons are the ones who are afraid. And Jesus walks up, and they come running out, and they say, What have you to do with us? And what do they call him? Son of God, which is so funny because the Lord uses the mouths of demons to tell the disciples who Jesus is. And so they say, what have you to do with us? Please cast us into the pigs, because they're terrified of Jesus, because he is the king of glory. And so Jesus, notice, there's no great battle. There's no big fight. There's no magic incantation. He just says, go. They go into the pigs. The pigs rush into the sea. It's almost anticlimactic, isn't it? Now, if you lived in that town, if you lived in that city, and you knew that there were super insane, demon-possessed people who beat up everybody that came by the road, who live in tombs, who live in death, they live by rotting corpses. If you saw that they are in their right mind, and your economy just ran into the sea, and those guys were afraid of Jesus... But you know everybody in the city has tried to help these guys and gotten beat up by them. And he just said a word. How would you react? Wouldn't you take every sick person you know and come out to him and say, Lord, heal us? Wouldn't you come out and say, Lord, what, what, do, what should we do? I see you have followers with you. Tell us, what do you want us to do? I see you have power. Wouldn't you come out and just at least find out what's going on? Instead, they come out, and the whole city together begs him to leave their region. What's the difference between the centurion, who's not a Jew, who doesn't know the law, and these people who are Israelite covenant people, but who aren't following the covenant? 
who have mixed. The difference is that the centurion is clear and he is unwavering, pure in his faith of what he knows Jesus can do. These people have found that it serves their own interests to be mixed with the, the things of the, of the region. They've started smelling like pigs. What does this tell us? Jesus has power that just with his word, he can save, he can heal, he can change, just with his word. And we've been talking for a long time about calling out to God. Did you know that Jesus, the Son of God, he is the answer? He is the answer. You know, many times we say, Lord, heal me. Lord, heal this situation. Lord, change this thing at work. But you know what the real thing is when Jesus shows up in that situation at work? When he shows up and looks at the health of your body, when he shows up into the relationship, when he shows up into your street, and he shows up into your finances, when he shows up in whatever, it changes everything, doesn't it? The answer is not the miracle. The answer is him. The answer is him. And even the townspeople here who see Jesus do this great miracle and have power over demons are unwilling to actually come to Jesus. You know, the funny thing is, the water pressure is still there. The water pressure never goes away. What I mean by that is, Jesus is the king of the kingdom. He is the ruler and the Lord over all things. The centurion is right to call him Lord, owner, because he's the owner. The demons are right to call him son of God because he is the son of God. His rule does not change. But sometimes there are broken water mains. And sometimes when we turn the valve of our prayers, we find just gurgling sounds. Why does that happen? And I'm going to say to you that usually it happens because we, we tend to, in a self-serving way, find mixtures appealing. And we mix our expectation. We mix our faith with other things. We mix our lives with little dabbles in sin, little things that we think are going to be self-serving for us, but they're really not. And what the Lord is calling us to is if we call on him and we know the answer is Jesus, if we open our mouths and we say, Lord, we need you, did you know that he is faithful and true that he will show up for us? And his word is powerful? And then we can abide by whatever his answer is if we seek him. But if we just seek the miracle or seek something else or we allow mixtures in our lives and things to get, make the purity of our faith kind of not so shiny anymore. It changes who we are. How do we seek God? We talked uh, for many weeks before about coming to him with prayer and in Sabbath and in fasting and in Thanksgiving and all these kind of things. We heard about Jerry calling on God and seeing uh, Jerry Nance, how the Lord responded with a great miracle to save his life. You know, he's, he's our Savior. And I want to tell you today, the Lord God hears our prayers. He hears your prayers. He sees what's going on. He is active and aware. He is ruling. The water pressure is there. If you turn the pipe and you hear a gurgle, the first thing that we should do is say, Lord, am I mixed in something that I'm doing? Am I mixed? Have I started smelling like a pig in things that I'm doing? You know, David and I didn't talk before about the communion thing. I don't know why the smell thing came up, but it's all right. Maybe it's just the Holy Spirit. But the reality is, for us, as we seek him, our expectation should be like turning on the faucet at home. The expectation, the faith, there's going to be water there. And there are many times of our lives when there, aren't, there isn't water. 
You know, sometimes the Lord answers us and says no. He does that sometimes, and that's okay, because he gets to choose. But the reality is, if we're seeking the thing instead of seeking him, we're always going to be off kilter, whatever we're trying to do. And so what I want to tell you is this today, is the Lord in 2024 is seated on the throne. He's the God over all things. He's the God whose word and whose power changes everything. But it's his presence, it's him, it's Christ himself that we seek, and not just his word. And if there's any mixture in us of other things, let this be the time, let this be the year where we jettison that stuff. And instead we come in purity to him and say, Lord, I need you because you're my only source. I need you because I can't live without you. And Lord, I'm asking you to speak into this thing. And then he will. You know, it's funny when, when he says no sometimes. Um, have you ever had, like my little kids, the other night my daughter really wanted to go to uh, Lion's Choice. And she wants to have fast food and she was super excited about it. And so her assumption and expectation was we're going to Lion's Choice. Um, do you remember when you were a kid, or maybe you have kids now, and then mom and dad say, no, we're going to eat at home? The absolute, like, disappointment. Man, no lion's choice. It was like her world crumbled. Like, just nothing is right with the world. You don't love me anymore. Nothing is okay. How can this be possible? You know, isn't that funny? That's true, isn't it? And many times I come to God like that. I say, Lord, I want lion's choice. And he says, no, we have food at home. <gasps> Do you even hear my prayers? Do you even know what's happening? Snow on the ground? Like, this is what happens to us because we're real people, right? And then the reality is the Lord is faithful to say, are you, do you have here? Is that selfishness I see mixed in there? Is that what you want? What are you putting, what are you putting into yourself right now? What are you, what is that? He's faithful. And we start by praying for Lion's Choice. We end up saying, Lord, forgive me. I'm sorry. Lord, I need you. Lord, whatever you give me, your meal is perfect. Lord, I need you. Lord, I want to eat what you put before me. Thank you that you provide. Look and see the difference, how it changes. And I'm saying that to us because in this year, man, I know God's moving already. I can feel him today. Can you? And so I don't want this year to be the year of just half. The other day, uh, Lisa went to the store and, and she went to Sam's and Sam's Club was out of all their dairy products. It was a restocking day, I guess. I don't know. And so, um, so she had a meeting yesterday morning. And yesterday morning, I got up and got the kids going and started making breakfast. And I made coffee. And I'm getting the coffee ready. And I got in the fridge and I got the half and half out and I poured it in there. My coffee was delicious. The best coffee I've had in a long time. Second cup, I'm like, this is, man, our coffee machine broke. And so I was using an old press and I was like, Phew. This thing is awesome. This is the best press, delicious coffee. And then as the day went on, I uh, was doing something, getting kids lunch ready or something. I opened the fridge and I moved the half and half and suddenly I realized it was heavy whipping cream. Because they were out, they're out, they're out half and half. And it's heavy, and it, guys, use heavy whipping cream. I don't know if that maybe is a resolution, could like healthy fats, no? I don't know. I'm not the one to ask, but. It's good. It's good. Maybe for dessert. Decaf coffee, heavy whipping cream. It's going to change your day. Now, I say that because on my shopping list, heavy whipping cream was not on it. Half and half is on it. 
When we come to the Lord, we say, Lord, I want lion's choice. You know, the Lord's got better things for us. It's not always our expectation, though. Lord, I would like a bajillion dollars, and I want this and that. It's not. He gets to decide all those things. But the reality is, if we come to him unmixed, isn't he better than all those things? Isn't he more satisfying than the, the heavy whipping cream in the coffee? Isn't he more satisfying to our lives when we're walking with him and we know that he's smiling on us because we're doing what he said? Amen. Isn't it better to have a meal in peace at the kitchen table, even if it's not lion's choice? Because you're together. And so here's the, me the message. Let's have faith in Jesus. Let's not be like the centurion. He was just a guy. Let's definitely not be like the demon-possessed guys. But the reality is, what's our expectation? Is our expectation an expectation of knowing that he comes through and speaks into situations? We turn the faucet and it comes out. Or is our expectation something else because we've let it get muddled? And so what I'm challenging you on today is, let's examine our hearts. Is there anything that you know is a mixture? Um, probably if you have an app coming to mind right now, that's the Holy Spirit telling you to delete it from your phone. If you have something else coming to mind right now, habit or whatever, that's the Holy Spirit saying, let's get rid of that. Because he's faithful to conform us to the image of his son. Why? Because he's using us. Because we're going to walk with him. Because I'm expecting to see miracles like this. Because I'm expecting to see God move. Because I'm expecting that we pray and the faucet of heavy whipping cream awesomeness is just upon us because it's him. It's not, we're not seeking the flashiness. We're seeking him. And where he is, the demons flee. Where he is, healing comes. Where he is, life opens up. Where he is, we walk in grace with him because he really hears us when we call upon him. Isn't that good news? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that as we call upon you, you really hear us. Lord, I ask you that you would help us by your Holy Spirit. Father, help us to examine our hearts. Help us to be quick to repent if we have any mixture in us. Lord, we want to worship you in truth. We want to worship you in purity. We want to worship you in you alone. And we want to see you, Father. Lord, we confess that sometimes we get caught up by looking for the results, looking for the miracle, looking for the thing, instead of looking for you. Help us, Father, today to fix our eyes on Jesus. Help us today, Lord, that we would be a people who come to you quickly. Lord, let us pray and see the faucet open up with your blessing right away. And that blessing is your presence. Lord, we trust you. We thank you. And I ask you, Father, that you would help us to be a blessing to you, that we would honor you in all we do and serve you well. Lord, that, let this year of 2024 be a year of blessing to walk with you, serve you, and see you high and lifted up because you, O oh God, are glorious. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.